0: Please open up your copy of God's Word to John chapter 6. Well, it's true, as was prayed, we live in a world of unbelief. It's all around us. We can't get away from it. We can't escape it. It's the air that we breathe. It's the water that we drink. It's the food of sin and faithlessness and unbelief that surrounds and it flows from all these hearts, all the hearts around us, the hard hearts full of pride and arrogance. It's not simply a modern thing or a postmodern thing, it's a post fall thing sin, unbelief, denial of God. Doubts that ultimately lead to denying God all the way, the way of the fallen world. It's true. I saw a bumper sticker years ago that I see again every now and then that reads this. Question everything, especially authority. You know, that could be the serpent's bumper sticker, right? Has God really said And right there in the midst of this world of unbelief is the reality of a world of need. The two things that we see all around us, unbelief and need. It's everywhere. We live in a world of physical needs and spiritual needs and emotional needs and intellectual needs. And this is the world that the Lord Jesus Christ broke into. This is the world that Jesus confronts with his gospel. With himself. He confronts unbelief, he confronts needs, and he confronts this world of unbelief with a call to himself. And as we turn to John chapter 6, we'll be looking simply at this first of the great I am statements several times in this chapter, but verse 35 Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. We're not following the I am statements in the way they're given in Scripture. We've kind of arranged them for Advent. But this is the first of the seven. I am the bread of life. And Jesus has been teaching and healing the sick because he's compassion personified here in this chapter. And time and time again in the gospel, he provides the necessary things to make broken people whole, both in their spirits and in their bodies. So chapter six, as we read a full portion of it for context, there's this great crowd of at least 5,000 men and and who knows how many women and children that hear the word of God preached. And Jesus sees their need for truth, so he declares it to them. And he also sees their need for healing. So in this chapter, he's been about the business of healing those that are sick. And, And he also sees their empty bellies. And he has compassion upon them. He meets their need for food. And just think about the compassion of Christ. From the beginning of his earthly ministry all the way through, he's confronted with doubt and unbelief and hostility that flows from fallen hearts. And yet, he presses in. He presses on in mission as the love of God for the world, the gospel. Well, this is the same chapter that we find the miracle of Jesus walking ...on the water in the Sea of Galilee. While the wind and the waves were buffeting the disciples in the boat, the Lord, the Master, the Creator of all the universe, He just strides right on by. King over all of creation. Walking on top of the darkness of the sea. And this really is a perfect picture of what Christ does in our midst. Even when we marshal objections against Him and deny Him with doubts and reject the truth of Christ, He still comes as Lord over all and declares the truth unto us. He is God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity. He's equal with the Father in majesty and power and dominion, and He came with the express purpose of filling up all righteousness necessary in order to redeem people given to Him by the Father. Election is all through chapter 6, 7, and 8 of John's gospel. We can't get away from it. So the reality is, Jesus on mission, nothing could stop him. No force could stop him. No physical thing could stop him. The wind and the waves couldn't stop him. No spiritual thing could stop him. The demons couldn't stop him. Sickness couldn't stop him. Nothing could stop him because he's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is the light of the world. He is the great I am. He is the bread of life. Well, isn't it interesting that people behold all this, and yet they come to Jesus in John chapter six looking to manipulate him and control him, to provide what they wanted, not what they really needed. And don't we do the same thing? We try to manipulate Jesus, we try to turn him into our own little household God that gives us our wants. We try to twist Jesus around to give us those things that our little hearts desire, but he's patient. And so he holds out the bread of life to us, even in our doubt and unbelief, and even in our manipulation, and he comes and he gives us what we really need for our souls, for our lives. And so we come to our verse this evening after this great miracle of feeding the 5,000 multiplying those five little loaves and those two little fish and all that food that stuffed the people, Jesus is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the, the crowd tracks him down, even in their unbelief. And this is what he declares to them on the other side that we read. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I am that I am. The great I am from eternity past to eternity future. He comes near to us tonight in the reading and preaching of his gospel. He comes to us tonight as the bread of life. He won a crowd through this miracle of feeding the 5,000, and this was an opportunity for him to preach the gospel and to explain the reason that he came. But from a human perspective, something terrible happens in this chapter. So terrible that theologians call it a crisis. It's the Galilean crisis. You see, it says that many of his disciples, maybe 70%, maybe 80%, rejected him, turned their backs upon him, The fickle crowd, they rejected the Christ even after what he had done and they leave him. Isn't it interesting? This this really strikes me as, as one who's a preacher. The greatest preacher who ever walked this earth won the crowd through a miracle and then lost them through preaching. Think about that. Do you think Jesus is a failure because he loses the crowd? He lays out his gospel message in the most simplistic of terms doesn't he beautiful language and yet it's offensive you have no life in you unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood he loses the crowd with this offensive message well this is certainly to fulfill the word of God from Isaiah who has believed our report Well, as Jesus stands before us tonight as the bread of life, we should pray that Jesus' message does not offend us. Isn't it a great tragedy? You know, humanity has, has this great hunger to be filled with satisfaction and peace and joy, and yet it rejects the one who offers it, the Lord of mercy and love, the Lord of the gospel. Well, I am the bread of life. What has God provided for us in Jesus Christ? That's the question for tonight. That's our driving question as we walk to the table, as we're being guided to the table tonight. That's the question that we ask. What has God provided for us in Jesus Christ? Well, our first thought tonight is simply this. The bread of life is vital. It's vital for life. For true life to be lived, it's the bread of life. It's vital. Without the bread of life, there is no life. With the bread of life, there is life, eternal life. Jesus says, matter-of-factly, if you eat this bread, you will have life. If you don't eat this bread, you will die. It's as simple as that. This is the bread that sinners need, unequivocally. And just as bread is the staple diet for our physical lives, there is something before us tonight in the gospel, something fundamental to our spiritual lives. Jesus Christ, the bread of life, without which we are not going to live true spiritual lives. You know, day by day, we need bread. Day by day, we need bread for life, physical life. And day by day, we need the bread of heaven. Without it, we we perish. Without it, our souls shrivel up and die. He couldn't be any more clear than what he says. Your soul will shrivel and die up without this sustenance that Jesus, only Jesus can provide in and of himself. You know, it's interesting. Just two chapters before this, in chapter 4, Jesus is confronted with his own physical need for food. And you know what the disciples do? They scurry off. He's in Samaria. They scurry off to go find some food. And lo and behold, Jesus is there at the well with this woman, this notorious sinner that had to be there during the day. And he's busy creating a true worshiper of God. And the disciples come back. And they're ready to set the table. Hey, Lord, we brought food. And he's like, hey, hey, we don't have time for that. I have food to eat of which you know nothing about. And they're perplexed. What's this all about? Who's coming and, and fed our rabbi? And Jesus, as the bread of life, he tells them of his mission. He says, my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven... And to finish his work. Do you see how important this is? Because Jesus ate the food of obedience to his father's will. He's able to become the bread of life for us. In salvation. I have food to eat. You know nothing about Jesus says. He ate the bread of obedience on our behalf. Because we can't do it. So that we might be filled with his righteousness. What a glorious provision our savior is. The King of righteousness, the King of perfect obedience. His life must become our life if we're to know life. The joy, the beauty, the truth of his act of righteousness for us. Think about how Paul illustrates this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The glorious chapter on the resurrection. He clearly shows us the reality of headship. Whether you like it or not, we live in a world of headship. And you are either either of the line of Adam, under Adam, and you are dead in your sins and trespasses, actual and original, or you're in Christ, your righteous head, the bread of life who filled up all righteousness by completing the mission God gave him, God the Father, by being completely conformed to the holy law of Christ of God do you see the exclusivity of Christ here without him without what he provides by way of of moral perfection and purity and word and thought and deed there's no life the bread of life the bread of righteousness you know I don't know why they do this but report cards come right before Christmas that was always such a downer for me as a young guy you know, it's like, why you got to mess up a good time by report cards? You know, you, you know, they come in the mail. and Well, now they're online and you get them, right? They're, they're emailed to you. Well, hallelujah, brothers and sisters. By the gift of living faith, we get Christ's life report card. And in him, we're righteous. We're fed upon, we feed upon him by faith that we may escape the wrath to come. What a joy, what a wonder, what a a truth. We're delivered out from under our first parents and brought into union with Christ, and we have His righteousness, the the sweetness of Jesus' life of obedience. So as you taste the bread tonight, as you come to the supper in faith with your Savior, will you taste the the sweetness of His righteousness, His law-keeping? And will you readily confess your lack of law-keeping and hallelujah, run to him and rejoice and receive? Or are you only going to be concerned with your physical needs? You know, hurry up, eat, drink. We need to get on with things. I'm thinking about my calendar. Life's so busy, got so much to do. Or will you stay there in that moment rejoicing in Christ's righteousness for you? You know, we try often to live without Jesus but we can't enjoy true life without Jesus. We need him and him alone. So much of the world thinks, well, Jesus, a little Jesus, and then, you know, some supplements of some self-help good philosophies for life. You know, maybe a little bit of luck and I'll get in. There's no life without Christ alone. So Jesus comes to you and me tonight in the gospel and he says, you must feed upon me. You must lay hold of my righteousness. You know, if you share the gospel just for a little while with others, quickly you're given this kickback. Well, you know what? That all sounds great and whatnot, but, but I just don't see my need for Jesus, this gospel. You know, my life's really good. I got a nice house. I got a good job. I've got a great family. You know, I'm, I've got my health. I don't see the need. Why should I eat this bread? And this is why Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit and blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because the only heart fit to dine with the Lord in living faith is one that's been humbled. Humbled by the Holy Spirit. Been given the the gift of humility that we're convicted and we know we need Jesus. Jesus. Will you taste that tonight? Will you taste the reality of humility by the Holy Spirit, your need for His perfect obedience? Will you eat and drink with the Lord in peace, knowing that His righteousness is your righteousness, the bread of life? I think it's interesting. Man fell by eating. Ever thought about that? Man fell by eating the apple and only by eating this bread that is, to feed upon Christ by faith, can one escape judgment. How interesting. Well, this Jesus stands before us tonight as the one who is vital for true life, and he says, come, take me by faith, feed upon me, rejoice. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is for the life of the world and it is my flesh. Let that hit you. Jesus is vital for life. Well, our second thought tonight the bread of heaven is relevant for you and me tonight. The bread of heaven is vital for life, and it's relevant for you and me tonight. It's relevant for life because we all have this God shaped need in our hearts. Whether we're willing to admit it or not, we have it. And Jesus is the bread of life that is relevant for you and your unique needs. Your sins, your failures, your fears, your worries. He is the one who is relevant for sinners like you and me. You know, the world is comprised of individuals of which you're one of them. And Jesus, the bread of life, is not a one-size-fits-all Savior, but a personal Savior. He's not a general practitioner. I don't know if you guys feel like this these days, but you know, you come into your general practitioner and you get into that waiting room and you're a number. Come back quick, get on the scale, get in there. You know, all right, what's up? What's the medicines? All right, eat a heart healthy diet. Don't do anything stupid. We'll see you in six months and we'll give you a bill. You just kind of feel like cattle getting herded through, you know? But you see, Jesus is a specialist that we need, He's relevant. He feeds you and me exactly what we need for true life and vitality. You see, the the heavenly bread is not just the bread you eat to begin your true living, but it's the bread that you need each and every day of your spiritual life. As you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. You feed upon Christ from the beginning to end. As we are united to him by faith, we just keep receiving and feasting as we go to him day by day. You know, he's, he's custom fit for your broken heart, for my broken heart. Whoever comes to me says, Jesus, think of all the different people in our church. Let alone in the world. Across this glorious globe. And Jesus is the perfect savior. He's perfectly relevant for each and every one of his little lambs. Just think of all the people in the gospel. Think about little Zacchaeus. Jesus was relevant for Zacchaeus. He turned that little guy's world upside down, and he became a big man of faith. Think about Jarius, the the one who lost his, his daughter, and Jesus came, and he was broken in despair. And he raised this man's daughter and gave him faith to believe. Think about Nicodemus sneaking around at night that weakling he should have been a man of faith in the word but he was weak jesus came to him perfectly relevant and made him a new creature in christ my favorites blind bartimaeus crying out son of david have mercy on me what do you want me to do i want my sight he was exactly what bartimaeus needed He is personally relevant to every boy, every girl, every man, every woman as the bread of life. He says, I'm the bread of life. Friends, if you know this much about Jesus, you know enough. Maybe you have more questions than answers about God's word, but the essence of our Lord's message in the gospel is this, and it's enough. You're a sinner, and He's the Savior. It's pretty straightforward. Come to me for life. I'm vital for true life. I am relevant for true life. And then thirdly, the bread of life is accessible. This is so beautiful. Do you see the tender heart of Jesus here? Jesus, the Jesus of the gospel. I mean, how difficult must it have been for the Lord Jesus Christ, the only holy one, come from the Father, perfect and pure, In the midst of a bunch of broken, crazy sinners. How hard must it have been for him to hang out? I mean, we as sinful people love to run away from other sinners. And here's Jesus. He's accessible. He's in the midst of them. He didn't limit their access to him. He didn't create a a staging ground. You know, the apostles became kind of the bouncers and moved people in. You know, you got the gold circle for those that are going to pay the most the silver circle, the brown circle, then the cheap seats. Maybe you'll get in to see Jesus. No, he's right in the midst of them. He, He saw them coming, even in their unbelief, and he pitied them in their great need. They were hungry, physically speaking, so he gave them food. But he wanted to give them more than just physical food. He wanted to give them himself. He was accessible. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is within your reach even tonight. I really think we need to be reminded of that because we so easily forget that he is here with us. Or two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in your midst. He stands before us. But we don't deeply understand our need, do we? We're swimming in temporal things. We're so rich. We're fat, physically speaking, temporally speaking. Temporally speaking, so that we're we're skinny in soul. We've got little feathery souls. Because we have so much. We're choking on blessing. We need to realize our poverty. Realize that we need Christ to fatten our souls. He's accessible. He's here with us tonight. He's before us. He will give us more of the Holy Spirit to fill the 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 the, the, the sails of our faith with the wind that we might walk and live and act and in great ways for the Lord. He teaches us over and over again. We have to come to him. And he's there. He's accessible. And Jesus is not preaching some kind of self-help thing. You know, all right, clean yourself up and then come to me. No, it's apparent. He gets down on the level, comes to us at our point of greatest need, and he says, take me. I'm here for you. So whatever you're dealing with tonight, whatever fear, whatever sin, whatever problem, take it to Jesus at the supper. You know, supper time's a great time to air the dirty laundry, so to speak, and to lay your heart out there before the family. Lay your heart out before the Lord Jesus Christ, because this bread of life that stands before us tonight is vital, he's relevant, and he's accessible. You can know that your heavenly home is secure because... He promises it. Well, I love how Jesus tells us three times in this section, in this chapter, the glorious reality of the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder. You know Jacob's ladder, where Jacob's running from his brother, thinks he's going to be killed, and he's heading off into the unknown, going to find his bride, to walk by faith, to become a man of faith, and he lays down under the stars and he puts his head on a rock and he has that glorious dream and vision. Jacob's ladder coming down from heaven and the angels ascending and descending upon him and blessing him. Well, here Jesus tells us three different times in this chapter that he's the one that comes down from heaven. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that the one ...who eats of me may not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is Jacob's ladder. And that's what this supper preaches to us tonight. The gospel good news is that we have been given a Christ that comes down... ...not some self-help of here's a ladder, now climb your way up. That's the religions of the world do but christ stands before us tonight and says it's done receive he's our elder brother our kinsman redeemer our savior he bears us up you know you probably know about boys town the home for troubled boys and orphans in omaha nebraska and has the motto of he's not heavy he's my brother And it has that motto because early on at Boys Town, there was a young man there who was crippled by polio. And one of the other brothers would carry him on his back from place to place. And of course, the question would come up Isn't he heavy? And he would respond, He ain't heavy. He's my brother. But don't you see, brothers and sisters, that we we are heavy, our sins are heavy. One sin is heavy enough to take us all the way to hell. and We bear the reality of Adam's fall and our own failures and sins. And, and we were so heavy that we crushed Jesus on the cross. That's the truth. While he was upon the cross becoming sin, our sins for us, he received the wrath and curse and judgment of Almighty God, and it, it pressed him down so that even the thought of it before he was in the midst of it, while he was in the garden, he sweat drops of blood knowing it was coming. He was pressed, he was crushed because of the heaviness of our sins. So tonight, when we, we eat the bread, will we taste the sweetness of Christ's? Passive obedience upon the cross, being crushed for our sins, that we might be cleansed. Will you taste the sweetness of that? Well, finally, the reality that is placed before us as Jesus proclaims the gospel is that this bread of life must be consumed. We have to take it and receive it. We have to feed upon him by faith. We have to come to this point of action and close with Christ. Are you willing to do that tonight, to surrender yourself yet again and to receive, to rejoice? You know, little guys, you're probably mostly your moms, but sometimes your dads, they work hard to to provide really good meals for you, healthy meals to eat that you might be strong. But you know, those vitamins don't just jump off the plate and get on you. I mean, you actually have to close with the plate and eat and drink so that you might know the sustenance and the nourishment there. Well, the reality is every Lord's Day is a covenant renewal. And on some Lord's Days, we have the covenant renewal feast. And so we have to, by faith, come yet again and confess and surrender and receive and eat and drink and rejoice. That's what the supper is, a hallelujah meal. It's like we've been prodigals this past week and we've come to our senses And we say to ourselves, there is bread in my father's house. Let's go. So we come running back, and he sees us from afar, and he runs to meet us. He puts a ring on our finger to remind us that we are adopted sons and daughters. He puts a robe around us to cover our shame, to once again remind us that we have his righteousness, that we're cleansed and forgiven, and the fattened calf is killed, and we feast Oh, this meal is so much more than that. All this has been done for us. All we need to do is open our mouths by faith and eat and drink. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again a lot until I die. When you are born again by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you are united to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're given a new heart. And that new heart is fitted with a new mouth. That's the mouth of faith. And you have a stomach that is hungry for the things of Christ. And you want to eat and drink and receive and know the blessings of the Lord. This is why the psalmist says, I, the Lord, am your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what he says to us tonight at the table. I am the bread of life. Come, Humble yourself, taste and see that the Lord is good, eat and drink, be nourished in your faith, rise up and rejoice. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The spirit of the bride say, come. And let the one who hears, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And the one who is hungry, come. So Jesus says, come. I'm the bread of life. Let's remember as we come to the supper tonight, this is the great application as we drive to the, the table. To take and to receive, to remember. We take our eyes off of ourselves and off of this broken, hostile, crazy, sinful world and we put our eyes of faith upon Jesus and we rejoice, and we receive. We confess our sins if we haven't already done so, and we ask the Lord to turn us away, to turn us from from those things that don't fulfill and don't satisfy those idols, and to turn us to Christ, that we would take hold of him and love and rejoice. This is the table for sinners set by the Savior,